Welcome to the DSO Decision. I'm your host, Brian Hanks. We're doing episode five today with my co-host, David Cohen. David, say hello. How's it going? David, I'm excited to talk with you on episode five. Um, as uh, Just to remind folks, the DSO Decision is a 100% free, ad-free, um, you know, product placement-free podcast. It's a conversation with two experts. Hopefully, we've got our biases and we've got our cards on the table. And the goal here is just to share helpful information with a group of people, dentists in this case, who are dealing with a very, um, very common, but also very complex decision that uh, almost comes up these days for almost every dentist, at least at some point in their career. Uh, if it's not directly, it's indirectly through a friend or or it's, it's going to come down the road. Uh, so we're excited to talk with you today, David. Today's conversation is all about representations, warranties, and disclosure schedules. And before we get into the definition of those terms, um, I'm going to kind of bucket these under what I call um, the legal mumbo jumbo. As a non-lawyer, <laughs> this is this is like the heart and soul of the 90, 100, 200 page legal document that uh, lawyers put together and haggle over that uh, dentists should read, uh, but very few actually read, of course, every word. Um, it, representations, warranties, and disclosure schedules. Um, let, let's talk about what they are, when they come in the deal, and then let's get into some of the specifics on some intelligent questions dentists can remember so that if they're doing a DSO deal or they're talking to somebody, they at least are armed with the basics and have some some intelligent questions to ask at the right time. Does that work? Yeah, that All sounds right. great. Perfect. So um, what's a representation? Uh, and then I'll ask the same question. What's a warranty and what's a disclosure schedule? But let's start with representations. A representation is really, I mean, representation and warranty is really the promise that you are making as a seller to the buyer about your practice. And so any purchase and sale, whether it's private or DSO, you're going to have to promise certain things to the buyer about the business and the assets that you're selling to the buyer. So really important to understand that, <coughs> sorry, um, really important to understand that in a private deal, um, they're going to be there and in a DSO deal, these are going to be there. It's just there are differences between the two and we'll get into those. Okay, so um, a representation is I put on a, a sheet of paper somewhere that my practice collects uh, $1.8 million a year and um, you as a buyer are assuming I'm telling the truth and this representation section is a way to protect the buyer to say, hey, I told you something and it's true and, and here's how we know it's true. That's exactly right. Um, you know, one of the biggest reps and warranties that a buyer is going to want is one on financial statements and records. Right. They're going to want you to disclose in a disclosure schedule, which we'll get to, mm -hmm. all of your true and correct copies of any, um, you know, tax returns, um, you know, financial statements, anything that you have related to the financials of the practice they're going to require that you disclose those to them. And typically they'll go back around three years. Okay. They're not asking for 10 years worth, but they're usually want about three years worth of those. Yep. And so, yes, you, you've nailed it. That's a great example of okay. a rep and warranty where you as a seller are saying, 
I'm disclosing to you true and accurate copies of all of my financial statements and all of my financials are true and accurate in all material respects. So a representation is, hey, I promise I'm telling the truth. What's a warranty? Well, a warranty is, is essentially that you're helping, not helping, that you're it, to some degree, it's it's the same thing. It's a promise. It's your warranting, you're promising to the buyer that the information that you're providing is true and accurate. Okay. In in the legal documents that I've read through, um, you know, when I need to put myself to sleep, I can't. Yeah. yeah. Kudos to you for doing your job. We all appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I've seen penalties in there, right? Okay. Um, if I said I do, you know, 20, uh, Invisalign starts a month and it turns out that that's not true. Um, you know, he, here's the penalty for me not telling the truth. Is that, first of all, am I thinking about that? Right. Is that, is there a penalty associated with, and there are, are is there language in there about, or in either a representation or a warranty around, um, you know, what happens if I'm lying to you? Um, yes and no. So there isn't typically like a liquidated damages, um, you know, type of penalty where it says if you've breached um, the, the reps and warranties, you owe blank amount of money. Okay. But what typically happens in a DSO deal, and we've touched on this in prior podcasts, is that the DSO will have a holdback of money for indemnity purposes, for like liability, pur- for indemnity and for liability purposes. And essentially what they're going to want to do is if something's not correct and there's a breach, they're going to probably want to use that holdback money and pull from it, um, you know, to satisfy any type of um, you know, obligation. Okay. Yeah. So it's um, it's not. All right. I told you I do 20 Invisalign starts a month. Turns out that's not true. It's only 10. Uh, and David, the legal master assigned a value of $1,000 per lie, right? And so right. a lawyer gets to come back in and count the lies and multiply that by th- You're saying there is no dollar value associated here, but there will be some rules that say, if I lie to you, you can, here are the, um, uh, here's your recourse. Here are the things you can do to make yourself whole. One of which might be to keep some of the holdback money uh, and then I would assume there would be some other things in there about potential litigation and uh, maybe some monetary damages and how you figure out the amount or something like that. Is that right? That's right. And and even if the document like didn't say that, I think the practical reality is that, you know, most whoever has the money kind of has the power. Right. Like I was on a DSO deal where the seller of the practice actually like kept a lot of the money that came in after the closing um, because they still kind of like had access to the AR, even though they sold the AR and they were like supposed to be like sharing the bank account, but he was like clearing it. Um, In that case, they used the holdback money and said, and and this isn't necessarily a a rep and warranty. It was just, it's just another example though, just kind of off topic of how they, they didn't, Nothing in the agreement said they had the right to pull from the holdback money if the guy kept the AR, yep. but effectively that's what they did in the situation. And so similarly here, um, even if the document doesn't expressly allow them to pull from it for the breach of a, a rep and warranty, they may just do that anyway, quite honestly, because yep. they have the money. Okay. All right. Perfect. Um, okay. So let's do definition of a disclosure schedule. This is going to be another section in the legal agreement. Um, 
And I, I'm going to give my best attempt as a non-lawyer to say what I think this is. And then you tell me what's going to be unique or, or what, what do I have wrong about um, what happens in a DSO deal. I remember from my uh, Wall Street time on Goldman doing mergers, acquisitions stuff, disclosure schedules. Um, they were, in my mind, they were always kind of like due diligence, right? And it was like a formalized way to verify that the information was correct. So things like all the things that dentists uh, don't like to publish on <laughs> on Facebook, you know, and put out into the world. So things like your actual tax returns, actual contracts, lists of referring doctors, lists of actual patients, um, actual patient charts. Let me think what else like um, potential litigation or any litigation that's going on. Um, there would be in the disclosure schedule, there would be, um, you know, dates on a calendar and a kind of a method that we would go check certain information. Uh, so like a Microsoft taking over, uh, who's that video game provider, Activision uh, or Blizzard, whoever it was, that, that's this massive $75 billion acquisition happening right now. I would imagine the, the uh, disclosure schedule for that deal is immense. And you're going to have teams of hundreds of people looking at documents and looking at things just to make sure that, you know, Activision said we have this many subscribers to our, our video game. How does Microsoft actually know that this that there are that many subscribers? Is it the same thing on a DSO deal? And, and maybe what's unique or what's special about what's going to happen to these dentists? Yeah, it's a great question. And, and that kind of leads me into like sort of like the rhetorical question of like, why, why are we talking about this now? Right. <laughs> and, and I'm going to answer that. And it's, you know, the reps, the reps and warranties contain language that's going to refer to disclosure schedules. And the disclosure schedules are, as you just described, and you nailed it, that sort of the bigger the deal, the more disclosure schedules there are because there's more due diligence involved and there's more, um, you know, there's more that's on the line for the buyer. And so they want to make darn sure that everything is as advertised. And, you know, conversely, it actually, the, the disclosure schedules are there to help the, the, the seller um, because they're putting on record in legal documents that they disclose these things. If the buyer comes after them later for, um, you know, a breach or something like that, they want to look back to those disclosure schedules and say, well, no, we disclose this in disclosure schedule blank. And we totally um, were transparent about that. So it does help the seller as well. And so like you theoretically think the more disclosure schedules that there are, the more the seller's, going to like it because that's going to protect them more. But the reality is, and this goes into why we're talking about this now on this podcast, is it's a, a an extreme burden with many of these DSOs. Mm. And it's part of the whole thinking process of, is a DSO deal right for me or not? Mm -hmm. Do I even want to go there? Do I even want to get into a DSO deal? Because this is one of those hurdles that a dentist has to sort of like overcome is all this due diligence and that they're not really going to have to go through. Um, we're not nearly to the, the degree in a private deal. Now, you're going to have some DSOs that have really reasonable disclosure schedules. There aren't tons of them. And then you're going to have some where there's going to be like 60 or 70. But every single doctor that I've had in every DSO deal we've ever done has been completely worn out by it. And but that said, I don't think we've ever had a DSO deal, a, a seller that's come back after they close the deal and they got their money that says, 
yeah, you know, I'm really happy about the deal, but you know, those disclosure schedules, you know, those really, yeah. you know, maybe I shouldn't have done this. I've never heard anybody say that. It's one of those things that like, it's just, you have to, it's almost like a rite of passage. The only thing that is unfortunate is if like you do all that and the deal doesn't close uh, for whatever reason. And then now you're going to have to go back to, to doing it um, again for another DSO if you're going to sell to another DSO. And now at least you've gathered all that information oh, because they're going to want a lot of the same stuff. But it's a deal fatigue type of thing, right? I, and yeah. so yeah. then, you know, a doctor has to understand, you know, I get doctors that call me all the time. They're like, hey, you know, I'm thinking about selling to this DSO. I'm getting all these offers. People are throwing money around. My friends are selling to DSOs. You know, can we just dive into this and see what we can get? And it's like, no, 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 wait a minute. You have to understand that, like, this is no joke. This isn't just like dipping your toes in the water and deciding, do you want to sell to a DSO? And like, maybe back out of, I mean, you are going to have to do an extreme amount of work to pull up everything that your practices ever had for the DSO. And it, it, it's really going to be a bear. So you, and it's worth it in the end, most likely, but you have to understand that that's part of the process and you don't want to go into it lightly. So that's why we're talking about it now, because it's all about that decision as to whether or not the, the doctor is going to even want to get into this. Yeah. It's, it's those factors that they may not even be aware of when they, um, you know, think about selling to a DSO. But then moving on to the, the whole like question about the disclosure schedules, the disclosure schedules, you nailed it, are going to be more in a DSO deal than they are in a private deal. Some private deals don't have any, some have like four or five, some have maybe eight, but like not nearly to the extent that a DSO deal has. So, um, you know, the, the doctor just has to be prepared and understand that that's going to be a part of it. Got it. Okay. So we, yeah, I, I think I joked in the last episode that this would be an episode, the average buyer is going to look down the, or excuse me, seller is going to look down the, the list of episodes and think, oh, I can skip that one. And you're saying that's, that's going to be a mistake, right? If you just, just want to focus on how much money you're going to get out of the deal and how fast can I, can I cash in and you know, and how does the second bite at the apple thing that work that we're going to talk about later? You're saying, ooh, <laughs> pause for a second. Uh, the joke that I've heard when I've talked to a room full of sellers or we're presenting together, whatever it is, is um, these dentists that do sell to DSO or consider it seriously, say every piece of paper that has ever gone through my office, I had to go find, I had to present it, I had to answer questions about and um, some very uncomfortable questions and, and they do. It's like the, um, you know, it's like traveling from the U.S. to Paris or Spain for vacation. Like you have to endure that plane ride. Yeah, sure. You get there and it's fun and you're eating chocolate and macarons and, and you're happy. But like nobody likes the plane ride unless you're in those lay down seats, which are amazing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. uh, OK, so I like it. OK, that's that's really helpful. Um, and on that note, too, I mean. It's funny that you say don't skip over this podcast because actually that kind of goes hand in hand with don't just skip by the, the reps yeah. and warranties yeah. and the disclosure schedules because like you just look at the rep and warranty section and you'd be like, yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, okay, cool. That's fine. That's fine. It's fine. But like, no, actually you need to look at every single rep and warranty because these are things mm -hmm. that the DSO is having you promise to them about the practice and Sometimes there are going to be things that aren't accurate mm -hmm. and, it, and, you know, such as you've never increased any salaries over the past year of your employees. I mean, maybe you did. Yeah. Right. Yep. Um, and so you have to make sure you're looking at those because you don't want to be in breach later. Now, the reality is everything's going great after the sale. A DSO is not just going to be like, oh, well, you know, 
that wasn't right. So we're just going to sue you. Yeah. They're not going to sue their partner, right? You're doing great together. But if things don't go well, they're going to go look back at every rep and warranty and try to, you know, yep. nitpick everything there that you may not have been true and accurate on. And that's why you want to make sure that you, you go over them. Makes sense. What? Um, so first of all, let's say that seller calls you up. The dental practice owner calls David, says, hey, I'm, you know, all my buddies are getting rich. I want to get rich, too. You take them on as client. Um, there's going to be a retainer fee involved just to get them to the point where you can see the reps and warranty section. Uh, give me kind of an average amount of time. I, I know it varies. and I know it's going to be all over the place, but is there kind of a, oh, that Brian, we can take care of that in three to five days or is this three to five weeks or months? Like what's a typical time frame? Do you mean the time frame from the time that they receive the, the they, document? With they've those got an offer and they're now they're reading through the reps, warranties and disclosure schedule, just like you said. Right. Yeah. So they get the offer and then typically they'll get the LOI signed. And then usually the first document that comes in the entire deal is going to be the asset purchase agreement, because that's kind of the main vehicle of it that tells the story of how the seller is going to sell the assets. And in that asset purchase agreement is going to be a section called reps and warranties. And so the doctor is going to see that very early in the deal. Um, and, And even the DSOs that typically send different tranches of documents at a time, usually always that first tranche of documents is, is going to have the asset purchase agreement. So they're going to get a look at it pretty early in the deal. And then, you know, it's just important they go over it with their attorney to make sure that there's nothing not accurate in there. Because, you know, us as attorneys, there's only so much that we know we can do and that we know about. Like, we don't know if you've raised salaries to your employees. We don't know if you have a lawsuit against you. You know, th- these are things we need to talk about to make sure that you're disclosing to us so that we can protect you and disclose those in the disclosure schedules. And then let's talk about the timing from the moment. All right, you got the first tranche of documents. David calls you up. Hey, let's talk about the the 17 uh, items in the disclosure schedule and some of these reps and warranties. How much time does the dentist usually have? Is there a time limit? And how long does it typically take to pull together every sheet of paper that's run through the office in the last three years? Is it like, You've got 30 days, better get cracking. Or or do you kind of have an unlimited amount of time? Like, how does this work? Yeah, I mean, the great news about that is you really have until the very end. And in fact, a lot of times at the very and, and the and the DSO's deal will span two to three months. So um, you really have a lot of time. And usually there's a fire drill at the end where the disclosure schedules are sort of getting um, you know, finalized. So you know, typically you have the whole lifespan of the deal, but I would not wait till the end. Uh, I would definitely get on that early in the process because that can be one thing that can delay a closing is if not all of those schedules are together. Got it. Okay. Hey, um, as we wrap up, any um, common mistakes you see people make here, things that they miss, uh, things they assume maybe uh, a DSA, DSA won't find out, uh, but then end up finding out anyway, like where do you see dentists make the most common mistakes around reps, warranties and disclosure schedules? Um, I mean, I think the biggest mistake is really more of a general one, which is, again, that the doctors gloss over them and they don't really appreciate what's there and understand that they could be lying to the DSO and their legal documents if if the if the reps and warranties are not true and accurate. And that that is, you know, can be some major exposure. Um, 
So, you know, I definitely just recommend that the doctor make sure that those are true and accurate. Now, the other thing, too, is that the doctor, as part of the process, can eliminate things, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, uh, uh, sometimes there will be like reps and warranties that don't apply and it's okay to to, to delete them. So it's part of the negotiation process. Yeah, but the not, biggest mistake is they just don't look at them. No, nah, for sure. Which is, well, I mean, we're, we're not really on this podcast to promote um, uh, what we do, but that is why you have a, a good attorney and, and you pay a good attorney. Um, that doesn't mean that you have to overpay and you can pay the going rate, but I always say it's worth every penny to pay a decent, fair rate to a good attorney. Because not only are they going to take the time to um, get the documents correct and make sure nothing's missed, they're also going to take the time to explain what you need to do, why it's important, where, where your exposure is, et cetera. So, okay. Well, David, very nice job. Thanks. Episode five. Let's wrap this up. Let's get to episode six here. We're going to talk about restrictive covenants and uh, look forward to talking to you on the next episode. Yeah, I look forward to it as always. Yeah.